WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This show is called Good Morning Comrade. Today on the show, we have Jeff and Scott and Robert. What's going on, y'all? Um, go ahead there, Scott. Uh, nothing much. We were just talking about the Rockford Files and yeah. uh, Dave Batista. So, who's Dave Batista? A wrestler and also the guy who's in one of the biggest movies ever. Uh, Avengers Endgame. He called called Ted Cruz an ass sucking Nazi. What? Yeah, he's he's always like on Twitter just saying some shit to like people. Oh, that's that's cool. I guess I. Uh... Well, we no, made it's it, cool. We made it thirty five seconds in there before. No, it is cool. To... No, I didn't mean to say it like yeah. No, 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 that no. is really cool. The, the real I just said no. We made it thirty five. You're unsure of, to make a judgment call. It's cool because he's always just like at these politicians being like, hey. Stuff well, the whatever. thing, the, the the real impressive thing is, I think that we made it 35 uh, seconds into the show before Scott cursed, so now I have to go back and edit it. But at least I don't have to wait for very long. Oh yeah, so front loaded it, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go that far. Just keep the rest of them in you, all right? Oh, I didn't know what I said. Sorry. Uh, anyway, sorry. you can listen to Good Morning Comrade on WHIV FM on Tuesdays. You can check us out online, GoodMorningComrade.com. Good morning, comrade Scott and Jeff and Robert on the show. What's up, fellas? I um, let's see. So today on Twitter, uh, the Good Morning Comrade account got into a fight with um, just a bunch of dorks who um, I assume we all have the same politics. It's kind of the stuff we talked about off air mm-hmm. when we uh, we we went fishing about like cancel culture. The Twitter, um, what is that? I've never heard of it. The Twitter, it's oh. it's a place where there's only sad things come oh, out dot, of Twitter.com. My bad. Yeah, Twitter.com. Um. Yeah, so if you don't, I got a, like I, I put up a spirited defense, snarky defense of Robert Evans. If you don't know who that is, he's like the leftist uh, war journalist who's, um, he has a podcast called. Um, he's had a bunch. He's uh, behind the bastards is one, and how I got started. Aaron actually put me onto him, and how I got started onto him was uh, it can happen here, where he talks about how um, because he's been in places like uh, Syria. And um, he used to write for Cracked, and he was like, he's like, hey, y'all think that um, you can't have civil war and societal breakdown here? Let me talk about how easy it is, how, like, easy society could break down the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he's been, like, covering nonstop the uh, the Portland um, the Portland protests. Maybe just disappearing riots. people as well? Other states just, like, coming in and saying, like, actually, we're just going to throw you into a black van. <laughs> well, that's what he's been covering. Mm-hmm. And he covered, um, yeah, he, he's been covering the... The moms that are out there now saying hey you got to go through us if you're gonna disappear people like they're like they're kind of like remember when we were we were kids i don't know if you remember but they're kind of like the um the what were they called like the silver panthers or whatever and it was just like the um, there's another there's another group of like older women who are just like hey if you want to send people to war send us but they're like that they're kind of it's that mm-hmm. same energy 
But he had a tweet about, um, hey, isn't it cool or something like, like, isn't it cool all these wine moms are out here, like, normalizing protests? And people were like, uh, can we not use the word wine mom? Because that's, <laughs> a, that's a generational slur. And I'm just like, can y'all <laughs> oh, no. shut up? Can y'all, like, legitly just, like, walk into the walk into the sea? Because this, this has so much, like, DSA National Convention. Uh, can we not use the language, you guys? Like, energy? This is, like very like ridiculously petty energy and so i i spent a, a good part of my day like fighting off people who were just like oh that's totally a slur and it's an ageist slur. i'm just like this is so dumb mm-hmm. this is why people think the left is dumb y'all like this man is out here literally getting tear gassed on a nightly basis and you're gonna try to come for him like this I'm like, and I'm like, well, don't you like? You don't think that women should be? I'm like, there's an order of operations to this. I was like, if we can get rid of all misogyny, police violence, um, racial, um, like racial violence, then uh, I'm with you. We we can totally like go after the the phrase wine moms, but there's an order of operations to this. And it was just like somebody was like, well, we can do both at the same time. I'm like, no, we can't. We literally cannot. This thread is showing that we cannot do both at the same time. Please shut up and go away. Please log <laughs> off. Well, Robert, I'm glad you spent the day running off potential listeners to our show. I don't, at, at some point, I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I mean, it's like, I'd like, please do not listen. Like, because you're not going to like the content anyway. Like, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like this, mm-hmm. I don't use the Twitter account to like, um, to don't, like advertise the show don't I use yeah. it really like to amuse myself and to also yeah. just like as an oh and jeff before i'm sorry i just mm-hmm. it's on my head i finally got jeff couillere to block us Ooh. oh jeff career blocked us i thought he was a tough yeah. guy i thought he was nah, like, bro. Man, you know you what know finally did he silenced Ooh. our free speech tell 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 him who this is jeff yeah, career is, this is like this weird right-wing radio guy who um <clears throat> him and mimi owens were the two the, people that did the um the, the house guy the house guy oh yeah the, the, the rally to, to save america or whatever but like not john stewart but like the one that they did most recently uh he was the one that put on that what what did what did you do why did he silence your first amendment right to speak to him on twitter.com yeah. why did he do that keep going. well i got some doritos in my mouth right now but keep did it you, going did you keep it going and i'll just i'll put the tweet in the um in the zoom chat oh, yeah. keep it going i'm ready did you derisively it, call him a white guy a wife guy no, no. It was I, I did the one thing that like actually got to him. I'll just put the tweet. Keep deep. it going though about this guy. Deep. He he's a trash him. bag. He, oh, he's absolutely a trash bag, and he's like a like a like a. Uh, I mean, he's Crypto. not even really a crypto white supremacist because uh, he is like got there's like pictures or uh, tweets of like him and David Duke like we're best buds like doing that sort of thing. So I mean, this guy is a piece of trash. So, I mean, I'm not totally surprised. I mean, first off, when these things happen, okay. when, like, somebody exposes that they're, like, a complete hypocrite when they talk about, like, their First Amendment right and they're, like... Yep, my keep freedom. hypocrite in mind. Mm-hmm. My, my freedom, that kind of stuff. Uh, they seem to be the people that are the least uh, actually interested in at people's actual right to free speech or whatever. And they're actually... Uh, they're also, like... Uh, extremely uh, sensitive about what gets said. That's like the whole idea behind what conservative is, right? I, mean, I dislike the fact that you think someone can't be uh, 
a friend of David Duke and a grifter. Like, oh, he's definitely a grifter. Uh, so, how, yeah, how it came about was, did you see I posted in the chat? So click on the link. It should be in the. It should be in the chat. All right. So clicking. see something about um, watering the tree of liberty, right? Well, Jeff? he, the dude, the dude posted some kind of um, column that he wrote in some weird, I don't know, um, WordPress like right wing like fascist yeah. blog. Uh, it was on a Patreon or whatever. Yeah, this will be a law. This will be a law and order election, and Trump will restore law and order. And he mm. start, and he and he proceeded to talk about the uh, secret police in Portland, and so I replied. Oh, those are good. Yeah, oh, those are the he good ones. He loves He loves the, the the secret cops that are just like right. scooping people up off the street and throwing them in a van and disappearing them. He loves that. Yeah, I, that's that's why if you saw that, yeah, that's why I tweeted out today. Where did all the libertarians go? Mm-hmm. Like it's so funny when like fascism showed up, all the guys who were really concerned about my civil liberties just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like they fell off the map, and he was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And now that like they've got they've got their strongman in Donald Trump. Mm. Oh wow! And well, they've got secret police on the street. He's completely like, well, I'm the law and order guy now. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what 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 happened to what happened to the liberty? What happened to the uh, you know the 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 Ron Paul revolution? What what happened to all that, son? That's were gone these, now. Were these states' rights? I mean, I guess, I guess once Rand Paul gets his ribs broken by his neighbor, like he kind of just back off. It's like, ah. I'm sorry, but that neighbor was, uh, he was defending his property. So yeah. I'm sorry, Rand Paul, but I mean, you deserve to get smashed in the face. I think he hit him in the ribs. Either way, but yeah, that, uh, that's that got me. That got me. That was a good, like, that was a good morning to mm-hmm. me because. Yeah, I think that like, and I don't want to blow my own horn, but like that tweet got to him. Like that was the thing. Like you I was constantly harassing him, him calling deep. him out. You cut him deep. You cut him deep. That got to him because he's a smart guy and he knows. He knows he's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Like he knows he has no. He has no compass. He has mm-hmm. no like. Uh, he has no. I don't want to say moral, but he has no ideological center. Mm-hmm. I guess sure. I guess when you just like are just being a grifter in that sense, like. The more you think about it, the harder it is to like pull off in your brain. Like, you know, I don't even see that tweet that he has posted anymore. Like, I'm looking at his timeline. Really? Do you take it down? He never tweets. He like barely ever tweets. I'm looking. He doesn't have anything from today. So I guess he. I guess he did. (laughs) (laughs) Mission accomplished. What a sad. You destroyed him in his tweet. You know. You know. Catch him in the street one day, man. I swear. I'd be like, hey, yo, what up? I hate to talk about Twitter on the show that much, but like, uh, that's one of those things that I've never from the conversation. That's one of the things that I'm like really bad at is getting somebody to get really mad at me to the point where they block me. It never, ever happens because I'm just sort of like I, I kind of do the thing where I just sort of like if I engage, which is rare, uh, I don't really do it very often, especially with people that I just like are, I know are the enemy. But like right. when I do, like I'm not very good at sort of like cutting them deep. <laughs> I'm just sort of like, why, what the? What are you talking about? Like, why? I just you... feel like with him, he, it's it's like there's levels to this, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's like boxing. It's like if we're gonna go for the crown, like we got to be like we got to be the undisputed champ of like New Orleans first, right? Well, like, we got we got I mean, we got to go for him first. Look, before I'm, we can like move like, up the ladder to like a David Duke. I'm more like and the then move man, up the okay? ladder to I'm, like I'm the guy that's Ben Shapiro. I'm the guy that's sitting in the corner giving you the pep talk, but I can't really throw myself anymore. My days are past me. Okay, my best days are behind me. Uh, I'm looking forward, but I'm like kind of old busted. 
Uh, I'm like Mickey from Rocky, you know, but not not as not as weird. Hmm. I was thinking this guy's such a. It just it really it's just I think more than anything, like, and I mean I know I'm skipping I'm skipping steps of like what we're gonna talk about, no, but when fine. like I I'm just so. I'm feeling so cynical lately. Like I, I feel like we've had this conversation on other on the shows, like re- in the recent past, about how this is the best of times and also the worst of times. But that like guys like him, like mm-hmm. guys like Jeff Queer, and like uh, guys even bigger than him on a bigger national stage get to grift and like run their game and like make money off of it. And, you know that like David, like David Tracky, like David Tracy's still out there, mm-hmm. and like Michael Brooks just died. Like what? Yeah, uh, like there's no cosmic justice. Like there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. Yeah. So you let's know, talk about Michael Brooks because uh, that was one that really kind of cut me today. Because like I've I've been a guy who's been a fan of the Majority Board for like <clears throat> at least since like 2009, right? Like 11 years, and he kind of came in in like what, like 2013, 2014, or something like that. And he's really, really, he was really, really a smart guy, a really, really clever guy, and also, like, a very, very funny guy in a, in a very uh, sort of a profound way. He was very good at doing, like, satire and voices and a bunch of, like... Uh, Just hilarious. Very, like, yeah, I, yeah. I felt like he was, like, the bridge between, like... It was a glue guy, really. He's the glue between like dirtbag, like comedy left to like, let's say like a Chapo or even that other podcast that shall not be mentioned. He's like a bridge between <laughs> them and even like your other favorite podcast. Like, high, like actually like, like high end. I don't know how to like intellectual like thought. Oh, he was definitely like a very uh, internationalist. Like he had a very internationalist mind, very, very sort of like uh, heavy uh, a very heavy focus and a very clear analysis on the sort of centrality of class that's critical in this uh, in this weird wild world we're living in. And I mean, one of the really interesting things, because like sometimes uh, when when somebody you know dies on Twitter, or somebody dies, comma, on Twitter, uh, you'll see like some te- people would take an opportunity to take shots at him, and you really didn't see very much of that. I mean, like uh, what was it? Lula, uh, he was like super connected uh, or super like interested, and he talked about it all the time um, about the imprisonment uh, of Lula uh, da Silva, who was the former president of uh, Brazil, and he kind of got like had his dream interview with with Lula um, yeah. this year, and Lula actually tweeted out after he died. I'm, I'm reading it right now. This year, I met this young American, a journalist who turned out to be a friend, who I thought we would meet again. How is it possible? My heart and prayers go out to his family and friends. May his passion for social justice be remembered and inspire uh, inspire people around the world. And that's just like, that's one of the, like, like it's, it's devastating in a lot of ways, like, especially in the sense that, like, this is somebody that is, like, Lula is like 70-something years old. He's like a guy who... Um, uh, particularly Michael looked up to, and, and also like he like Michael and guys like him and guys that are like my age. I think he's younger than me. I'm I'm 35, but like 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 Super guys like young, him are yeah. supposed to be the next generation. And when you have you know the guy that you looked up to is supposed to be the one that's passing the torch, and then that guy dies before you know the the older last generation. It's just it's just devastating. 
you know? When your when your elders are the ones that are sort of like burying you, that's just 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 horrible. And and you know, shout out to the entire Majority Report family, uh, the entire community is uh, like Michael's direct you know friends and family. Uh, we had some crossover with that show uh, and yeah. us. So um, yeah, it's it's just a really really difficult a really difficult situation. But uh, I mean, one of I the just... things that I'm gonna remember about Michael is this sort of like. He he always had a very warm. Even when he was doing things that are saying things that were sort of like I'm like I don't know about this. You know he always did it uh, with a certain like warmth and a certain like kind of cheekiness. If you know what I mean. Right. Yep. Uh, very very clever. Very funny guy. Very smart guy. Yeah. I mean he's a guy like you said. He could like he could be cheeky. He could be funny. He could do a really good Bernie impression and then turn around and go on like I twenty four and and talk about why why. Palestine shouldn't be an open air prison. Like the guy was just a dynamo. Like Mm -hmm. the guy, like you could put him in a, you could sit him down with anybody. You could sit him down with like, you know, a Midwestern mom to, uh, on any, on any debate stage at any university in the world. And this guy could hold his own and he could explain concepts in like, in, in the way that anybody could understand it. But then in a way that like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to have like a procedural, like nuts and bolts argument with him, he could totally just bang it out. Like the guy was just, mm-hmm. the guy was just genius. And this is just so crazy. Like when you, like uh, when you text me that, like I didn't even believe it's real. Like I still don't. Like I, mm. I was just, wa- I, was I was just watching, watching the show, bro. Like, like I was I watching him on Saturday when he was, uh, when he was, uh, you know, on his show with like Anna Kasparian or whatever. And, and oh my god. Um, I, I, now we're talking yeah. about the internet again, but like there was a, a clip that I saw from the Young Turks, which I don't even really watch that much. Um, mm-hmm. but but I know him and, and Anna Kasparian from the from the Young Turks were really close, and uh, like she was like visibly just broken up, like reading us like the, the the majority poor, or I think it was the majority poor, or it might have been his family. Um, I, I, whoever it was, they put out a statement, sort of like just explaining what happened. There's no details or anything like that. Um, but, but, but she was reading it and she had to stop and she just sort of like, you know what, just read it online. It was one of these, like, and and I feel like I'm, I'm dwelling on this maybe too much, so let's move on. Um, but, but it was really like, you could tell the connection between, you know, the, the connection that he had, um, with, with, you know, people that I call friends. I mean, I didn't know the guy personally. I talked with him like once or twice ever. Um, but like, um, they're 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 they are shaken like they're 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 like this is it's not it's not fair it's not it's not good you know it's 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 awful it's a complete tragedy oh man yeah i feel i feel like hot garbage Mm -hmm. like it's yeah i don't know i I don't I, i don't know if it's like i don't know if it's just like his youth and so this makes me think of my own mortality Mm-hmm. But we were just like, and that's why it's hitting me so hard. But we just really, I don't know. People who care about things, I won't even try to be political, but like, and it's a politics show, but like, people who have like thoughtful consideration about anything, like we've lost, we've lost like a dynamo mm-hmm. in that, in that realm. Yeah, it's, I do want to play one clip uh because and I, I shared this with y'all earlier but i just thought it was too funny to let go because this is sort of like and i hate to be like um 
like remember the good times guy or whatever but like i do like this is sort of like what things are like for me when uh i I do this but like like when somebody passes or whatever you know you do want to remember good stuff uh otherwise you're just gonna you know you know you know be, be you know feel horrible about everything oh this is a clip that he did from probably 2017 or 20 yeah probably 2017 16 or 2017 after the you know the election where where sanders had lost uh but he does a this is just great welcome to how to build generational wealth with bernie sanders while the rest of the young go-getters were coming out and going into Wall Street where they could work for the bankers, the millionaires, and billionaires. Oh, sorry. Let me fix that. Welcome to How to Build Generational Wealth with Bernie Sanders. While the rest of the young go-getters were coming out and going into Wall Street where they could work for the bankers, the millionaires, and billionaires, I had a different, more long-term plan. I moved to rural Vermont and bummed around until I was in my 30s and ran third-party candidacies on issues. This is the first step in my patented system of guaranteed (laughs) intergenerational wealth. The next step, become the mayor of a small New England city where you promote public parks and meet with the Sandinistas. This will be the next step in your plan. You're still making probably about $50,000 a year and you're almost 40 years old. But you just wait because the bucks are coming. (laughs) Then you run an improbable third-party campaign for Congress. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, this isn't so bad. I make over $100,000 a year. I'm solidly in the middle class. But I know that you didn't move to Vermont and become a socialist to make chump bullshit change like 50, like 150 grand a year working for Congress. No, you want millions, my friend, and so did I. Which takes us to our next step. Declare your candidacy for president in 2016 to little or no fanfare. Have a hunched over posture, rant about single payer (laughs) and against Hillary Clinton, piss absolutely everybody off, then write a best-selling book. Boom, you're a millionaire. And that is my patented system for intergenerational wealth so that you too will become at the very least a millionaire. You might not wait have to wait until you're in your at least you're in your 70s but that might just be the way it shakes out and that was the purpose of my entire political career planned down to the date of when i would run for president thank you yeah it's just one of those can you can you do me a favor like it's only a minute i put it in the chat Mm -hmm. can you play the um because uh, I put it on our Twitter because that's the first thing I thought of too. I'm so glad we have the same like yeah. sense of humor, same thoughts. It's Ber- it's him doing Bernie Sanders to the eyes of your um your uncle. Oh, at Thanksgiving. <laughs> God, it's so good. Yeah. It's like it's like what every right winger thinks like Bernie is that um is, is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Play that. Yeah, put that up, man. Like, yeah, it's just it's yeah. He, uh, just tell me when you're ready, and I'll just uh, I'll stop talking. But like I said, this is the guy who could he could do a dead on impression. He he could talk about like uh, Caribbean music. Yeah, he could talk about travel. 
and he can talk <laughs> about he can talk about South Africa and God. you know Mandela and and like anti apartheid movement and then switch to doing a five minute bit on, on about right wing Mandela oh, like yeah, what if yeah. what if or Mandela like, was right wing go like Bernie Sanders how he got a million dollars or whatever how he became a millionaire you know like that like the guy was just I don't know he was all over the place. Very, classic, uh, there was a certain like manicness there, but I think it was just a, just a, a wealth of energy. And it, anyway, Sanders here we go. Told supporters, there you go. he says, "I think we have some explaining and work to do." Acknowledging that the term "democratic socialism" makes some people very, very nervous. It's good news. I'm looking forward to that speech. Not quite clear when he's going to deliver it. This is from 2015, by the way. Just so, just so the audience is, is up on it. But um, we do maybe have a little bit of an insight into what he's going to say uh, here. Fundamentally, power is never ceded. That is a bourgeoisie lie that has been told through uh, Christ to Gandhi. It's a distortion of the revolutionary nature of history. And as Mao himself <laughs> once said, change comes from a barrel of the gun. So it is time to march forward. It is time to forget one's individual identity and merge into a collective of revolutionary fervor and... Strength. Now look, you know, we're not Cambodian, <laughs> but there's a lot we can learn from the Khmer Rouge. We're not China, but there's a lot we can learn from Mao. We're not North Korea, but there is a lot we can learn from how that family's put that country together. <laughs> so you know what's so funny about that, though, too, is that uh, one of the things that sort of, like, got Bernie, like, and I, like, I'm not, I don't mean to make this like Bernie about Bernie, but like, oh, he, but this sort of source shows how spot on he was in two, 2015. Like one of the things that like got Bernie like, you know, beat up a little bit, like right around in 2020, rather, uh, was like some things that he said about Castro. And like mm -hmm. there was just this incredible, like weird, like obsession, <laughs> like when he said that, like, oh, actually, the schools in the medical system in uh, in uh Cuba are good, and he didn't. He didn't say anything actually directly good about Castro. But like, next thing you know, every question that he gets in every debate is like, "Why do you support Castro so much?" <laughs> so like, this. So that it was basically how spot on this yeah. joke was. Like literally five years ahead of time. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The guy was a workhorse. Mm -hmm. The guy was just a. He was just a, a workhorse that like, sh like shone a light for mm -hmm. a lot of us to do what we do yeah and i'm really broken up that he's gone mm -hmm. yeah but it, 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 it this might sound insensitive but this gives like now is a good time to sort of like go back and watch all the good clips and all the good funny stuff and all the good smart stuff and this, i mean like he did countless great interviews with you know cornell west Oh, he did one with cornell west countless with adolph reed countless with just like these titanic figures you know, in, in the American and international left. And, uh, I mean, look, if you, it, it, maybe I do this to protect self, but it's one of those sort of situations where uh, I kind of feel like I want to. And now, real bad. Okay. Uh, You're back. Saying, um, it's one of those situations where I want to sort of like, and maybe I do this to keep myself from like breaking down and crying. Maybe it's my own personal defense mechanism, but like, uh, you know, go back and watch some of that good stuff because I mean, there was a lot of really great things and a lot of great memories and like getting, getting all sad about, you know, the fact that he's never going to be able to do a new one. 
is terrifying. So maybe just like wrapping myself in nostalgia is uh, one of those things that, you know, maybe it's a defense um, mechanism. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. It's just, yeah, like you said, like it's for a guy who was like, if you were in this circle, you knew who he was mm. and like how everybody from people that we necessarily don't align align with to people like we really align with are all just like, man, that was a real one. Yeah. Like, there's not, true. there's not a lot of people who, who fit that kind of, who can do that, who mm-hmm. fit that kind of bill. For real. Anyway. Oh, uh, sad. sad. Yeah. Sad, that's sad, really, sad. it's going to be really tough, tough to pick up uh, off the mat after that one, but uh, definitely, you know, huge. I, I, I was texting a lot of folks. I was texting, you know, friend of the show, uh, oh, friends of the show. I don't want to name them, but uh, sure, multiple sure. friends of the show. I, I think I know who you're talking about. At least some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just about what's going on. Former guests. Uh, really, just just uh, absolute, just complete. You know, loss for for all of us. It's it is it is extremely sad. <sighs> you are listening to what else we got on the board? Go you ahead. are listening Sorry. to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This show is Good Morning Comrade. You can listen to us every Tuesday on WHIVFM. Uh, you can also get more information uh, and listen to extra shows on goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, so I guess uh, moving on from that, I suppose, to uh, something that I'm that's like super um, relevant to me, like very directly right now, is the. So, especially Louisiana and in Jefferson Parish, which is where I live and where I teach, um, the parish just today released the plan to go back to school. And I got to tell you, folks, it is not it is a very scary prospect for me as a teacher. Like, it's a really terrifying thing. The fact that they're going to sort of like just just shove a bunch of kids back into a school in the middle of a pandemic while it's got higher infection rates and, and higher numbers of you know, deaths than there were uh, it, when they had initially closed schools in March. It's a ac- absolutely horrifying um, prospect. I don't know how much attention y'all are paying to this, but but how what are y'all seeing, uh, Scott, Robert? Yeah, I know people are pretty much against it, except for you know the dummies who are like, oh, let's do it. Mm-hmm. We don't want our funding to dry up or whatever stupid reason. I don't even know the reasons they want to. Are there reasons they want to, or are there supposed reasons? So, it's um, a good question, actually. So some like of the reasons the are, drive? um, like one of the ways that education functions, and people don't like to talk about it, and it's one of the sort of like less legitimate functions, at least as far as I'm concerned, um, because of the, like, so we live in a society where you have to go to work in order to survive right and if you have kids um then you need a place to send your kids because we are the 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 jobs that we have in this society are not friendly to the point that you can bring kids to those jobs for most jobs at least so the sort of like sticky wicket here as far as um reopening the economy which is the obsession that we're hearing um is that in order for 
people to be forced back to their you know jobs that are a not necessary for the actual world to function and b that most people hate um in order for that to keep rolling on uh we're gonna have to start sent like getting this child care back right and so things that don't um things like like the uh online learning which isn't even uh accessible to all kids uh is not sufficient if you have to go back to work because who's going to watch your kids while they're doing that so essentially there's a huge economic incentive to force people back to work and part of the order of operations in doing that is to force kids back to school regardless of whether or not it's safe that's just so yeah i mean that that seems like that's like the Yaka's razor. I think that's the easiest explanation. It's probably the most correct. Um, but how are you? I mean, yes, how we feel about it. Like, I feel like you shouldn't go back to work, Jeff. And I know that's not like a thing. Like, you're in a position to just like, oh, I'm just not going back in. Like, I'm not what, in that position. What, what are you going to do, bro? Like, because I, I mean, I feel like from everything you've told me and everything I read, like the parents are like, we're not going to send our kids. Teachers are like, we don't want to go back. But they're they're like forcing y'all into like mm-hmm. a super dangerous situation. So like, what are you going to do, bro? Like, I I don't even mean this as like, we're talking on the show. Like I completely mm-hmm. support y'all in any way, like any possible sure. way, like monetarily, like if I have to get out and like, if that, if that's, if I have to like shift from going to these protests to like going outside this, like supporting a teacher strike, mm-hmm. I think honestly, that's more important right now. So like, one, that's my own personal decision. Well, one, number one, one thing that you can do that you have already kind of already done is show that support and that solidarity, which you've already, would you just expressed now, the next sort of step would just sort of be, uh, sharing that with other folks and, and sort of organizing people to the idea that this is unacceptable, not just because. Um, the people that are going to have to, I mean, this is very important to me to be a hundred percent sure, uh, going back to school sounds to, I mean, it, it is a very scary prospect for me and for my wife and for my family in the most immediate sense one, right? Uh, it is scary for, um, to me because the kids that will be coming into my class will likely be, um, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe. Okay. Likely I'm fine with that language. Um, they, there is a very strong possibility that they will be sharing this coronavirus with one another. There are more rules that have been implemented that educators are going to have to follow, including implementing social distancing, making sure kids are wearing masks, all of those things. Um, we're going to have to essentially enforce that uh, somehow without, like, you know, reinforcing the already very pervasive school to prison pipeline that currently exists. Um, and then that's not even to, that's even beside the fact of the mere statistics of, uh, you know, kids going back to school will just reinvigorate and re give like a shot in the arm to this coronavirus because of the fact that so many people will be meeting in the same place at the same time. So there's just like so many horrors to look at all at once. And there's, um, there's gotta be action that takes place on the part of educators. And one of the things that, um, 
I would like to inform folks about is that we need to start, call, you know, calling, emailing, texting our, you know, state. And this is going to sound, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm not the resist bot here, but I mean, like, you need to start emailing your your school boards. You need to start emailing your superintendents. Start emailing your legislatures, uh, your uh, the governor, uh, all that stuff. And also on this Saturday, um, if people want to come join us out, there is going to be a protest outside of the governor's mansion to get him to implement uh, phase one back onto the um, uh, on the state because of the uh, most districts plans that that are uh, put out when it comes to state stage one. Uh, most of them mean that learning and education will be 100% online and virtual. That includes Jefferson Parish, which is where I work. Um, so that would be an opportunity. I mean, there are multiple hazards in that from the sense of you kind of live at work when you're working from home like that. And also, um, as a result of our you know horribly unequal and unjust society, um, there is, you know, not equal access to education or internet, uh, for all kids. So there will, there will not be equal learning, which is, I'm fine with that from the, I mean, I'm not fine with it, but I'm fine with it. If the alternative is, you know, th that people who don't have that access will have to go to school and risk, uh, infection of, you know, their kids, the workers in the schools and their, and the families of both. So uh, I'm really like super, super hard against it. We have, I mean, there's, there are, um, if you're interested in more information on this, you can message me online at eminent prof. Uh, you can also drop a line to our uh, inbox. Uh, we can send more information about that, but uh, there are petitions out there that you can sign uh, and other things like that. So. It's just wild, dude. I just, I don't know. I don't have any kids, so I can't, like, I can't imagine, like, what that feels like, like, to be under that kind of pressure of, like, I've got to go to work. Who's going to watch my kid? But at some point, you have to kind of snap out of it and be like, I've had this conversation with my parents. It's like, you, you can be like, I'm not going to sacrifice my child. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to put my child in a dangerous position, no matter what it costs. Like, they're, they're, they're just worse things. And like, I, I hate to, this sounds so, this sounds so terrible, but it's like, there's worse things than like being broke. There's worse things than like being evicted. There's worse things like sending your child is like a le legitimate human sacrifice. Like this is, I, I, this is hyperbolic, but it's, it feels biblical. It feels like we're, we're like, we're sacrificing our children to ball to like, to get approval. So like, the crops can grow next year. Mm -hmm. Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is almost a thing where the continued, like, trying to reopen things is making things constantly worse. Like, yeah, it was like, it's like, yes. you, it's like uh, you have an athlete and uh, mm -hmm. they get injured and they keep going back too early and they just like break their, right. keep reopening their, aggravating their thing. And then it, it leads to another injury. And then pretty much like the career is over or something like that, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And, but the problem is that like, it's not, it's, it's, it's one or a small group of people making the decision, you know, allegedly 
in the name of of the the majority of people and they and, and that's what's putting us all at risk so i mean like we all know that you know people who work in our in our government you know while on paper they represent um they represent the constituency that elects them but we also know at the same time that they have vested interests in other things well they have i mean they have fealty they're responsive much i mean this is indisputable um but but essentially legislators are responsive to more to the people who either fund or make their campaigns possible than the greater constituency of whatever place that they live in no matter where it is and that's sort of like a, a, a that is a one p- component and then the re- the other component is this sort of like you know perfect alignment of all of these um structures in the society that essentially put every single thing on individuals and there is zero room for any individual to you know not go to work for i mean most people can't survive uh what was like a 400 unexpected expense right um so this coronavirus this this covid situation um has done that to everybody all at once so we have people that are in a more desperate situation because uh, purely because of the structure of our society if we had a more egalitarian society that that this this, that that had zero jeff bezos and bill gates and distributed that money uh, among uh, amongst everybody then we wouldn't have this problem so the problem is that we have this so 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 unequal structure um which which puts us in this position so i mean um, it doesn't feel, I mean, it, 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 I can talk about being right about this all along and it doesn't, that doesn't change a goddamn thing. But, um, right now all of these things are, are being sort of like laid as bare as possible. And we need to like, essentially there is opportunity to change it in this position, but only if we have the courage and the energy and the organization to do so. So, I mean, we need to get our, you know, we need to kickstart our unions. We need to kickstart our, uh, our, our organizing groups, our, our, you know, like our DSAs or our whatever, you know, you name it organization to start, you know, meeting on these grounds. We need our unions to be fired up and we need our unions to be fighting for people, which many of them are. Um, but we just need to, we need to keep it, keep it so that it's, uh, charged by the members of those unions and the workers that are on the ground. If there aren't, and where there aren't unions, we need to, we need to, you know, exercise power in whatever ways that, that we can amongst workers. It's just, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I think I've said this just saying it out. Like this legitly feels like a, a like a siege. It yeah. feels like the, the, it feels like the federal government is just trying to break people everywhere yeah. to make them open back up. And so we can all just get sick and like whatever happens happens. Yeah. Like they're just trying to make conditions so bad that we're like, okay, we got to just, some of the kids are going to die and we're just going to have to just accept that, which is insane. But we accept kids dying all the time for mass shooting. So, I mean, it's a good gamble like to just be like, you know what? They'll, they'll throw their kids into a meat grinder. 
Yeah, well, the biggest problem and the thing that they rely on, and this is sort of like the extra super pernicious part of the sort of um, the way that our society is currently structured is that everybody, like, the, like there was a certain nostalgic vision of when things were normal that exists mm -hmm. in people's head. And there are certain sort of components that people associate with that normal. And one of those ones is the fact that people are going to work into school every day because it's such a deeply rooted part of everyone's lives. It's it's it gets deep into the fabric of the way we function. And, it, it, you know, it's 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 funny uh, because it's like it's like the op opposite of sort of like the Marxian approach. Right. I mean, nostalgia works because it's a Norman Rockwell painting. You look at it for a second and you get the feeling and you just think about all the good things. But like, it's just a Don Draper commercial. Like, there we oh, go. that's all it is. Like, it, it's just like this, like hitting on this nostalgia thing to make you feel something good. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, that time was good. It was good then. Like, mm -hmm. nothing was wrong. I don't remember my problems. Like, mm -hmm. I was happy then and I have a picture of it. You know, it's just like. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have the whole picture. You just have like a snapshot. Like, like that's all nostalgia is. It's like, like touching, touching a part of your brain and like leaning on it really hard and being like, oh man, if only everything was like it was back then, like nothing, like a moment so perfect couldn't possibly have happened in a bad time. So everything must've been fine then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, sort of like, this is an alternative of the sort of, so this is from the German ideology. This is this, I'm literally, I'm, I'm going to be the guy that quotes Marx right now. Sorry. Um, but there was a really great quote of, uh, for as soon as the distribution of labor comes into being, each man has a particular exclusive sphere of acti activity, which is forced upon him and from which he cannot escape. That's your job, folks. He is a hunter, a fisherman, a herdsman, or a, cr a, a critical critic and must remain so if he does not want to lose his means of livelihood. While in communist society, where nobody has one exclusive sphere of activity, but each can become accomplished in any branch he wishes, society regulates the general production and thus makes it possible for me to do one thing today and another tomorrow, to hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, rear cattle in the evening, criticize after dinner, just as I have a mind, without ever becoming a hunter, fisherman, herdsman, or critic. So essentially, like, what that means is that we sort of, like, wrap our identity up in our jobs and in a, in a you know, better society. Uh, we can have the material ability to do what we want to do without becoming the thing that our job sort of, like, forces us to become. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes me think of, uh, have you ever seen the 30 for 30 about Bo Jackson? No, no but I'm, I'm, you have my interest. It's yeah. uh, very much like uh, in college, uh, he was fixing to get drafted to, uh, I think it was the Buccaneers. And That's they, yep. they, they doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. Just I some, know that. Just some football team. And they were like, uh, well, well, he was a multi-sport athlete and like around the time that he was becoming like a pro, a potential burgeoning pro athlete, they were like, uh, well, 
you should specialize in one sport these days. You shouldn't yeah. play football, then baseball. Or you should just do one sport. Screw that. So basically what uh, what happened was is a team invited him onto like a private plane to like show up and they would just like have a meeting. But like on purpose, what they did was made him violate NCAA rules so that <laughs> he couldn't them. go. So he couldn't go back to uh, play college baseball, which is what he wanted to do. So when he got drafted, what he did was he just refused to show up. Because he was just like, I will be in the M- Major League Baseball instead, mm-hmm. and which like that kind of like what like his like refusal to just have to like play one sport is kind of what made him such a, like an iconoclast, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he, I don't think Bo Jackson had any ideology, but like past being like I just want to play basketball and baseball and football, but like like just kind of the act is kind of like very rebellious in that sense yeah you know? the, 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 the 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 sort of like um that's great for bo jackson yeah but imagine a world it, where that was possible for all people you know yeah, what i mean like that become like that came like a big boon to his career like he for became sure. like he became like his signature shoe was the cross class because like he the shoe you can do for everything you can mm-hmm. play basketball you can play baseball you can play football in it you know right, that was right. like his whole thing right 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 yeah that's that that is good in the sense of it being about like him as an individual um which is a certain degree of freedom that bo jackson had because of his very you know i mean bo jackson's one of the greatest athletes that existed of all time you know if we can make it so that if we can structure our society so that every single person has that ability to sort of that 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 the degree of freedom that every man can be a bo jackson or not even (laughs) every man a king every man a a bo i mean if you want to get in the if you want to get in a huey long talk we can definitely do that hilarious we can have bruce back on the show and we can talk more about huey long i'd like to be on that show like i tried to be on it last time but my mic didn't work We'll fix it for you. We'll get oh. Bruce back on the show. Bruce, um, Bruce McGee. Uh, he is a he's the host of the Louisiana Anthology podcast and uh, former guest on this program. Uh, he is uh, he is a Huey Longophile, I guess you would call him. Good guy. No, yeah, he's great. Anyway, um, we're getting a little bit of field, but but I see I understand what you're saying. The, the, the structure of our society is very very. Um, Despite the fact that, you know, people like Jeff Cruer will say, well, well, this is the freest, greatest country in the world, right? I mean, like, to be real, most people are paycheck to paycheck. Most people Absolutely. are surviving by the skin of their teeth. Most people are like, oh, no, like, what if I can't make this this mortgage? And, you know, there that... That's not I mean, an accident. That's not some like whoopsie doopsie. I guess we just need to do better. Um, I mean, part of our like it's to force people into situations that now you're um, the the parents of your students are now in. Right, it's an economic it's leverage a- mechanism, is what it I mean, is. It's the whole point. As like a person who does bump around from job to job, like I've been in several different careers, but like uh, you're probably happy I- doing that. <laughs> Not really, extent. because it's so difficult to trade. Right. Like to yeah, the trade off is like that. it's the, almost the trade It's almost like uh-huh. it's almost like redirecting a river, and then some people won't even look at you if you're a certain age and like, 
have don't have a certain amount of experience yeah you know? like, yeah it's true and and, and i guess uh, so you have like the freedom in a certain sense and we got to start yeah, wrapping up in a minute but we can definitely start doing a thursday and continue this conversation um but um uh you, you kind of like when you have to become invested and to a certain particular like specialized line of work and that's sort of like where the whole like liberal specialization super focuses and 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 you know lasers in because there is a component of like credentialism that like oh i've got a bs i've got x number of years of a, you know i've got a resume i've got a cv and that's what makes me uh eligible to do this job because it's economically structured it's, you can't just do something because you know it's something that you want to do and you don't like like people don't have the ability based off of their um just based off the way the society if you don't have wealth to do anything then you can't do it in any meaningful way that's sustainable and that's just i mean now even today like it, you can't even get into like the field you want or, or train for like if you go to college like you like, need to do an unpaid internship or something like that a lot of the times or yeah, yeah you, or you don't get a job after college you don't get a job i mean how many i don't part of the i mean one of the reasons i went education amongst many like, but one a of lot the reasons of I went education like, is that jobs there is a certain amount of job security and one of the focuses of the of the industry and it's an industry now folks is to attack that job security go ahead scott yeah, that's how people get caught in like jobs that they hate and are low paid because like they'll be like well i just needed to hold this job down for a while but then yeah. then there's no break there's got to keep like, my health insurance did you see that stupid thing that like uh visa put up where it was like uh here's how much money if you work two jobs mm -hmm. and it was this crazy amount of money and they like had like a fake budget oh yeah well, I did that's the, old yeah but yeah i remember that well I, I did the math and like uh that was that was only like suitable if you worked uh if you worked uh that amount of hours to get that amount of money and you don't pay taxes and you work uh 40 hours a week for six six weeks a month <laughs> nah. like just that's ridiculous. a lot of work yeah i can't work six weeks a month mm -mm. It's asking too much. I'm sorry, economy. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, well, you can listen to Good Morning oh. Comrade every Tuesday and uh, Thursdays. You can get more information on goodmorningcomrade.com every Tuesday on WHIVFM. You are listening to WHIVFM. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening. I love you all. Bye. Take care. Peace.